Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin and today I am joined by... Jake. Chris. And Ames. And we are here to talk about possibly the best film... No, I would say... No. Yes. I would say probably the best film in the... At least the original Star Trek run, if not the entire Star Trek run of films. Disagree, but go on. Well, I mean, for me, it's like a close... It's like four. Four and two are in like a constant battle against each other for which one is best. And Wales usually wins. But arguably, (laughs) like from a fan perspective and like an IMDb rating perspective, I think Wrath of Khan is like probably number one. We're here to talk about the Wrath of Khan. And uh, for those of you maybe who have not seen Wrath of Khan or have forgotten what the Wrath of Khan is about... um, Tell us, Caitlin. I'll tell you, Ames. What number episode are we on? 51. Whoa! Are we at 51? Yeah. Hot diggity dog. So, in the Wrath of Khan, seems to like start weirdly not right after the motion picture like it feels like we've totally changed I think like they ignored that the motion picture happened yeah. it's probably this movie. we could probably talk about that so anyway Rathacon opens Spock is the captain of the Enterprise right and Kirk is an admiral and he's a desk jockey and he fucking hates it who saw that coming they're they're doing the trainee thing we see the Kobayashi Maru it's great we meet Savick played by Kirstie Alley so Chekhov is on another ship right now, the Reliant, and he and Captain Terrell of the Reliant go down to SETI Alpha 5 because they're checking it out to see if there are life forms. The reason why they're checking to see if there are life forms on SETI Alpha 5 is because it's supposed to be a dead planet and there are some scientists who want to test out the Genesis torpedo. <laughs> what the fuck is it called? I mean, the thing about this Genesis thing is what it can do is it takes a dead planet, it makes it a living planet. It's really awesome. And they want to test it out. They've already tested it, like, in the lab, and they've tested it underground, and it seems to be working, so it's time to try it for realsies. However, when they get to SETI Alpha, well, actually, they think it's SETI Alpha 6. Excuse me, listeners. They think it's SETI Alpha 6, and they get there, and they're like, oh, SETI Alpha 5. This is SETI Alpha 6. So it's nice and dead, but, uh, oh, there's some wreckage here. And what is the wreckage? The wreckage is the fucking SS Botany Bay. Whoops. Chekhov shits a brick, an actual brick, and is like, we gotta get the fuck out! <laughs> and Captain Terrell's like, what's the big fucking deal? And they get outside, and the big fucking deal is that Khan Noonien Singh and, like, 20 of his buddies are chilling out on what they thought was SETI Alpha 6, but it was, in fact, SETI Alpha 5! And so Khan is more pissed than ever at Kirk because he's like, that motherfucker never came and checked in on us, and SETI Alpha 6 blew up or something and knocked this planet out of its orbit and the conditions are really fucking harsh and my wife died and did I mention that I'm cuckoo and I want to kill Kirk. So the way that he's going to get to Kirk is he they hijack the Reliant and then they go and they steal the Genesis. What is it actually called? It's not device. A device. Okay, well that's much... That's that's kind of lack But it is a torpedo, let's be honest. Yeah, it is sort of a torpedo. I think, I think in... We'll get to it, but I think in Star Trek 3 they actually refer to it as the Genesis torpedo. Do they really... Stop, are you lying? I think they might. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, they're like... They find out about Genesis and they're like, well, let's go steal fucking Genesis and fuck Kirk's day up because the only thing I care about is revenge. Well, so, and the other thing actually they left out about Genesis is that if you use it on a planet that already has, has life, life the life there will be wiped out in favor of, as Spock puts it, its new Matrix. It's a hard restart. Yeah. It's new Matrix! Yeah, it works you by green-blooded by son of a bitch! It works by rearranging matter at the subatomic level to yeah. convert whatever it encounters into whatever you've programmed it to turn it into. Guys, we really need to get into this right now. 
Well, it's just that, that's why it's important. I mean, it's important. That's why Khan wants it. He would use it as a weapon, not to just make himself a new home. I'd have used my Genesis torpedo for good. See, I feel like the Genesis is really just like replicator technology on a planetary scale. Hmm. We're actually You're not wrong. No, You're not wrong. We're so close. Actually, we're like halfway through the movie right That's now. That's true. So, well, I mean, that really is the whole movie, because the rest yeah. of the movie is just Khan being made to look like a bitch by Kirk yeah, over playing, and over again. Playing hide-and-seek in a cloud. But, like, what the fuck with the superior intellect? And he just keeps... I mean, I know that, you know, God, in Red Dragon... Yeah, no, don't give me that face. It's relevant. Um, there's this scene between Hannibal Lecter and... What's his name? Will Graham? Is that the name of the character? Will, I think it's Will, Will Graham. Will Graham. Graham? Grant? Is it Graham or Grant? It's Ed Norton. All I know is yeah, Ed yeah. Norton plays him. I think it's Will Maybe, Graham. Yeah, anyway, stick with me. Graham. Just stick with I me, am. okay? Will, Nor- Will Graham... Will Norton. Will Graham is like, well, you know, I caught you because I had, you know, an edge... And, you know, Hannibal Lecter is like, how are you able to best me? And, you know, Will Graham is like, well, you're insane. So, and that's basically what Kirk's got going for him. The other thing is, though, is that Genesis is being worked on by Kirk's baby mama, Edith. Carol. Dr. Carol Marcus. Edith Edith, Edith Keeler? Nope. And, uh, okay, so, great. So, and he's got this kid who's also with Carol, Edith Keeler, Marcus, and... He's an adult. He's not like a kid. No, he's like an adult, and he doesn't know that Kirk's his daddy, so we get a little extra bullshit thrown in. At any rate, they trick Khan with a bunch of bullshit. Khan winds up, what, like, setting his ship to self-destruct, and they're gonna get caught in the blast because their shit is all malfunctioned because they got shot a couple times. Well, they set... He sets the Genesis device to blow. Right, so he turns on the Genesis device, which is gonna convert the matter in the nebula into the Genesis Matrix. Oh, shit. So, essentially, yeah. if any... if Did we even watch the same movie? I don't remember any of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I did miss that point. At any rate, you know, they're like, fuck, our ship is fucked and we're gonna die. And, like, we need to get in and do some jiggery-pokery with some science, but there's a shitload of radiation. And Scotty's like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, we're just gonna die. And Spock is like, well, time to be the fucking biggest badass in this movie. He neck-pinches Doc jumps into Radiation Central and does the jiggery-pokery so that the warp drive is back online or whatever. And, (laughs) ah, God, I wish I'd been drinking. This is just where I'm at today. We get a very serious call for Kirk to come to engineering while they're in the middle of like, yay, we're not gonna die. This is the best ever. And uh, the tone of voice is very like, oh, shit. And you can see from Kirk's face that he knows that something ain't right. So he runs down and then he has that that really beautiful and heartbreaking moment where he and Spock have a moment, you know, across glass and, you know, Spock's like the need of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one and, you know, I have been and always shall be your friend and... uh, Out of danger. His voice is so gravelly and weird in that scene. I mean, it makes sense. He's radiation. No, no, like, totally. I just, it makes, I'm, I'm like, appreciating it. It's like a whole other level of acting. The saddest part of that is when he's trying to walk towards Kirk and he just bangs into the glass. Mm. It's certainly a scene I would want hanging from my Christmas tree. Mm. Thank God for Hallmark. Anyway, Spock dies. Whoops, lol. And they... Spock dies forever in a very meaningful gesture. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. And he gets shot down into the planet yeah. where the Genesis they device is also... They put him in a torpedo. Yeah, they torpedoed him. <laughs> the Genesis torpedo. He's dead and that's it. It's too bad we'll never see Spock again, guys. Mm. Yep. Well, was, uh, he made it, was... it out. Made it out of the movies. But what a way to kill off a main character. It's so beautiful. In a, in a meaningful so way. Sad. Yeah. Like, there's been other times in Star Trek, which we'll get to, where main characters have been killed off in what I would consider stupid ways. Mm. 
Yeah. Now I, I was crying. I do cry. Aww. That scene really does like tear me open. And it's anyway. Sorry. I will yeah, get to it later. I've now seen it enough times that I'm slightly numb to it. Mm. Listen to this guy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like the first time I saw it, I was a child and it fucking destroyed me. And even then, for years afterwards, it would still choke me up a little. Now I can just kind of watch and be like, I'm okay. Well, and this is the thing. Not to like jump to the end at the beginning, as I often do, and not to make a point I've made before, which I'm going to also do, but, like, Red imagine... Red Dragon. Red Dragon. In Red Dragon, Will Graham... Uh, no. But, like, what I was saying last night, and again, I know I've said this before, but, like, imagine being in the audience in 1982, and mm-hmm. Spock is fucking dead, and there's no IMDb, so you can't see that, like, in 1984, there's an unnamed Star Trek, you know, project, and Leonard Nimoy is signed up. There's none of that. There's no internet. There's no whatever. It's just like, yup, Star Trek just killed your fucking favorite character and the best actor on the show. What do you think about that? Second best actor. We're not giving to four cents of credit. <gasps> Love him. And actually, I was, was good I was saying to Chris, I think that James Doohan deserves a, an award for this film, especially mm. because the scenes with his nephew, he was very, he was beautiful. But you, so you watched the director's cut. You must watch the director's cut. We did. Because in the theatrical version, the one we watched, they don't reveal that it's his nephew. Yeah, so Scotty's just really oh, so bummed. It's, for it's just really, it's kind of odd. It's like, it's wow, Scotty... God, he's let, he never took the Kobayashi Maru. He's never dealt with death. Just one dude yeah. on his team dies, and he's like so upset about it. And also, it. people die in engineering all the fucking time. Engineering's yeah. always getting shot up. Scotty's always the one who like barely makes it out. You feel like that's where all the fucking red shirts live. I mean, <laughs> he has to know. But if uh, if you're listening and you're confused, in the director's cut, it is specified that the crewman who dies, Preston, I think, uh, yeah. is Scotty's nephew. Yes. Yep, his sister's youngest. Yeah. Preston's another good white name for a uh, white boy name for Kirk's well, actual Pre- kid. Oh, yeah. oh, that was his last name. What's his name? David? David. David, yeah. David Marcus. Well, speaking of Spock's death, as we're, as we're jumping to the jackass. end, as we tend to do, this cat is being a jackass, so apologies for that. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Spock, or, or Nimoy, because he's always got his panties in a twist, uh, didn't want to do the movie, was like, give me a good reason to do this movie, and... Um, Producer Harv Bennett comes up to him and says, How about we kill you in a blaze of glory? And Nemo says, I'm listening. Okay. Maybe that's how we do it. Ames, you made a... I'm not sure if you've seen this before because you looked a little confused when I mentioned it. Hallmark, a few years ago, actually made, like, a commemorative Christmas tree ornament of Spock's death scene. Okay. It is It is Kirk and Spock. Why don't like, we have that? Because who the hell wants that on their Christmas tree? I do. Oh, I do. I would totally have it. I have I a bunch of Star Trek. Well, my parents have a bunch of Star Trek. And I and I want one of of, of Spock nerve pinching uh, McCoy Al, and I want sure, one sure. of. Oh, he lowered him to the ground so tenderly. I'm sorry, they, they doctor. Love each other. The they love each other so fucking much. That what? bit, the remember stuff, added after the first screening of the movie. Uh, the mm. director. Uh, Nicholas Meyer did not want them to put that shit in there. They just wanted Spock to die and have that be the well, end. Because yeah, because but, the yeah. studio was like, "Well, we got to bring him back, right? How do we bring him back? Yeah, like something to make him bring." Make audiences him back. were bummed. Like the in the te- the test audiences were just kind of like taken aback. Like, wow, Spock died. We don't know how we feel at the end of the movie now. So I guess Bennett and whoever else added in the torpedo with Spock in it going to the surface. They added in the remember scene and they added in Nimoy giving the the end monologue spiel Mm. so that it could end with this kind of hope moment of hope that that A, everything's 
going forward in time and in the future will be bright after all. And also maybe Spock could live again in some shape or form. <laughs> and hope that, holy shit, that we can get Nimoy back after fucking lying blatantly to him about well, The only way they got him back is that, okay, well, you can direct it, fine. <laughs> Plus they probably paid him out the ass. I mean, at some point, yeah. I feel like everyone has a price. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you've been playing Spock for that long and you're Basically, that's what you're known for. You probably have a price. But anyway, let's go back to the beginning of the film, more mm-hmm. or less. Because I to want start. to talk about the Enterprise. So here is why I f- agree that they basically ignore the motion picture. Tell me. So in the motion picture, the Enterprise has just undergone a massive refit. Mm-hmm, right. Just, like, completely rebuilt the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, we saw the half an hour of them doing that. Yeah. Or the, <laughs> except for the warp drive, which never fucking worked, apparently. Right. Well, you just go into a wormhole and hit and, uh, hit a potato. Anyway, Starfleet has spent all of this time, money, energy, whatever, resources, p- making the Enterprise a really nice ship again. And then in the very next movie... The Enterprise is a training dinghy. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, we just put the newbies on here and take them, you know, just so they can have a little training mission. Into the paddling pool of space. Yeah. The bunny slopes like, of like, space. It doesn't make any sense that Starfleet would do that. They, they, they just upgraded the ship, so let's make it into a ship that we don't really put in the field anymore. We just use it for training purposes. But then why did they call this Star Trek 2? Well, why didn't they just I mean, leave the other one as the motion picture and just call this one Star Trek? The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think they wanted to keep continuity probably for marketing purposes, mm. but I th- and like it certainly does not pay, other than the fact that it reuses footage from the motion picture of mm-hmm. the exterior of the ship. And the waving keep guy. And the waving guy shows Aww. up again. Other than that, there's like obviously, you know, obviously the uniforms are completely different. Thank like, God, Christ! Um, you know the fact that you know at the end of the motion picture, remember that McCoy in motion picture was retired and was recalled to duty on an emergency basis at yeah. Kirk's and, and request. And he was really mad at Kirk about it yeah, as well. And Star Trek Two, he's just happy to be yeah on the crew on on you know. Getting to play dead on the on the simulator. He did a great job playing. He dead. did do he a great job. Yeah, he had, he had a good death. Tell, um, tell him about his performance. He did fucking great. Yeah, yes. it's basically a reset button. Yeah, um, that they pressed. I mean, the other reset button was they fucking kicked Gene Roddenberry out of the writing room. Oh they yeah, came out well, of like everything. You notice that like he was credited as like executive consultant. Executive yeah, I can, consultant. I can see and they, it on the yeah. the poster behind your head. Yeah. Like, like, hey, just hey Gene, uh, this is the Enterprise, right? Yep. Okay, great. Executive right. consultant. See you later. They consulted him. They ignored like all his advice and suggested Good. suggestions because it was driving everybody fucking crazy. So they just ignored him after a while. And I guess when he heard that Spock was going to die in this script, he got pissed because you can't fucking kill Spock. Mm-hmm. And he leaked it so that the audience, that his the fan base, would fucking revolt. Hmm. And they got tons and tons of letters like, you can't sp- kill Spock, you can't do this. So, like, Meyer God, and Bennett were they freaked out. It. Thank God they ignored it. Can you imagine if they hadn't? Yeah. That's why they put in the fake-out death in the fake Enterprise that Savick was controlling. 
Yeah, um, so that people would be kind of placated saying, oh, maybe that's what they meant. Maybe we can go through the movie not worried that Spock will die. Oh, wait, now we're crying. And see, okay, that's that's, that's good to know. Actually. I always kind of wondered. I didn't realize, I didn't know Roddenberry had intentionally leaked it. But that's I kind the of, assumption because no one else could have. Right. Like how many people knew about Spock dying? Yeah, and maybe Nicholas Meyer just got really drunk one day. I was like, I'm going to kill Spock. Loud as he could in a bar. That was um, as loud as you could. Jesus. Yeah, sorry. Years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I always kind of wondered if the reason they put that in was so that if it did leak somehow, people could go, oh, okay, I see. Aren't you supposed to be dead? Yeah. The other thing about this film that makes me think that it is a reboot, so to speak, of the movie franchise is that really when you boil this movie down to what it's about, it's really kind of about the same one of some of the same things that Motion Picture was about, and that is Kirk's midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah definitely. Kirk, you know, they, they, opens, they embrace it way better in this. Oh film. yeah, yeah. I mean, it opens on his birthday, mm-hmm. and he's feeling old as fuck, and he has to wear glasses now because <laughs> um, he's allergic to. Yeah, he can't get get LASIK, so he has to wear glasses. That's a nice detail. And and like McCoy gets him like actual antique glasses. It's really difficult to get them with the lenses intact or whatever. Even more difficult to get them with the lenses intact and your prescription. I want gifts from McCoy. Are there no like optometrists? Like nobody can grind glass in the future anymore? Yeah, you would think they could just replicate. Yeah. You would think you could just do it, especially because if... If it's an allergy, he can't be the only person in the entire universe yeah. who's allergic to Retinax. I mean, I'm sure they, they do make glasses, but what he just means is to find an antique pair mm. is probably difficult. I know how with you love Kirk's antiques, because yeah. I love antiques, because Spock comments on that when he gives him the... What does he give him? He gives him the Tale of Two Cities? Yeah, yeah. Tale of Two Cities. Probably a copy from, like, Which, 1996. He tore through that, because by the end of the movie, he's almost finished. That's what I said. He was like, when did he have time big. to read? I said the same thing, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, because this is... I mean, I haven't seen this movie, I don't know how many times, and this is the first time I noticed that he's at the end of the book. It's like, when did you do this? He was looking for the pictures. Now, could someone explain to me the significance of the line that he reads at the end? Where he says, it's a far, far better thing I do than I have ever done. And then Carol Marcus was like, what is that, a poem? And he's like, oh, no, it's just something Spock was trying to tell me on my birthday. And I, so, I didn't really get, like, what the significance of that line... Is it from the book? Yeah, I think it, it is. is. I haven't read, read the, the end of Tales. I listened to the audio book. It counts. And uh, spoilers for A Tale of Two Cities, I guess. <laughs> I so, don't think we need it. Basically, that is... There's this guy who's a bit of a layabout and kind of, I don't know, people don't really like him for reasons I can't remember, but he's like super in love with like the main woman, Mm. but she is super in love with this other guy who she eventually marries and he's like some kind of French aristocrat, Mm. but these two guys happen to look a lot alike. So at the end when the like revolution comes for that guy, the sort of, um, the layabout is like, no, no. I'll disguise myself as him, and they'll take me in my place. And that's what he's saying on the way to the guillotine? Oh, so he basically sacrificed himself so that the woman he loved could love the man that she loved. Yeah. Which is still sort of only the good of the one. Yeah. (laughs) And the woman is the Enterprise... And I don't need. I, and I've she's got that. 500 crew inside of her. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, if I'd you think, of, <laughs> if you think of all of us, you know, we're all covered in in all sorts of weird little oh, no, bacteria no, I don't want to. that we no. have a symbiotic no, relationship no. with. Mm. We all have a crew. 
inside oh, us. True. Gross. Gut Gross bacteria, skin I'm a, bacteria. I'm just imagining her as like one of those big colony tribbles. She's just getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. Mm. <laughs> those bacteria that only survives, that only live inside you so that when you're dead they eat you. Yeah. Cool. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. So yeah, so it's Kirk's birthday. He's dealing Happy with birthday. this idea that, you know, he really, both McCoy and Spock kind of kind of say to him, like, really, you should be a captain. Like, McCoy goes as far as to be like, you should get your command back because... You're rotting behind you're, the desk. You're, you're, not, you're not doing good here. That's my prescription as your doctor and your friend. As your lawyer, I recommend. Which... It never occurred to me till till right now, but like, how weird would it be if your personal physician was also a friend of yours? Yeah, I don't want your dick a lot. Exactly. I was gonna say I don't want my good friend to see my uh, yeah. I don't want genitals. my close friend to know what I look like in the nude. I don't want them to have had their finger up my ass. How many STDs I have? Yeah, in Kirk's in Kirk's not me personally, but Kirk. I yeah, think. like I wouldn't want to be close friends with my personal physician. That would be bizarre. I mean, this is the future though. So, the, like, being tested by your future physician. He waves his woo-woo machine over you and says, you're fine. That's true. You probably don't have to turn your head and cough. Do do the wall stairs. Yeah. I love the wall stairs. And besides which, I think they've cured all STDs by then. So even though he's going to maybe judge you a little bit, he knows that you're cured at least. I mean, Scotty himself had about a shore leave in this movie, we were told. Ooh. What was that reference? Was I, think that, he, I, I think he got an STD. Is that, yeah. that can't that be the, the reference they were trying to put. I mean, either he got, that. He got the clap or something. He <laughs> either had a, an STD. Space crabs. He either had an STD or a hangover that yeah. even he couldn't or like, deal with. Yeah, he had well, uh, temporary had liver failure. <laughs> I wondered it was like... Well, if, they have pills for that, you know. If it was like Wolf in the Fold again, where he was having some kind of <laughs> oh, personal no! issue, went on shore leave, and had Killed to go to a warehouse. Yeah, maybe. Uh, oh god, well that is how well, whatever it was, he needed leave. medical treatment for yeah. it. So, yeah. He's getting his stomach pumped and we're giving him the lice shampoo on his genitals. Yes. Hooray. They've reused obviously a lot of the sets from the motion picture. Oh yeah, they saved so much money but they on this rearranged one by switching the to Geico. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but they rearranged the stations <laughs> in the came. bridge in some ways. Like a little bit, yeah. Like in the motion picture, the science station was r- immediately behind the captain's chair. Mm. Mm. In this movie, it was behind and a little to the right of the captain. It probably it was, was on the other side of the turbo lift door. Yeah, well, it's probably it probably left a cleaner shot directly behind the captain's it's also, chair. I'm to it's bet. also more in line with where Spock sat. A little, yeah. No, he was like front left from the captain's chair, wasn't he? In yeah, the but show? it was more. No, well, to the captain's right. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, okay, Yeah, to the okay. left as Sorry. you're looking at the screen. But Sorry, yeah. stage right, yeah. yeah. All right, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, but Uhura was more directly behind the captain. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fucking communications, poor Nichelle Nichols, she was so underused in this movie. Yeah. To K2, actually. I yeah, feel like they both kind of got the shaft. Yeah. <laughs> Though Nichelle Nichols being indignant when, uh, you know, when Shatner or Kirk is like, oh, space, space is for the young or whatever, and Nichelle's like, Excuse me? What's, what's, what's that? What does he mean by that? And then later, when they first get onto the Enterprise and Kirk just gives her his book, like, here, you carry this. It's like, wow, asshole, she's not why, your secretary. why he still needs Yeoman Rand. Yeah. Although I do like, I always kind of wondered, um, you know, as they walk away, she's reading it because Kirk never took it back. And I kind of wonder if that's something she was told to do or something Nichelle Nichols was just like, no, I'm going to act my ass own. off. And, I bet she did it on her own. I love Nichelle Nichols so much. You know who had lots to do? Check off. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And he hurt himself big time. He did a great job getting hurt this He did a good job, yeah. I think Uh, it was actually pretty good. I had a wonderment. He's definitely taking some acting lessons. I had a wonderment about the SETI eels that I realized just to, just, you know, after seeing it today. Why do they call them eels if they're not from the ocean? I didn't think that, but that's a good question. So yeah. they go into your ear, they wrap yourself around your, your their brains, because why, why Which, the fuck is that not? even possible, by the way? Like, I feel like they wouldn't be able to get to your cerebral whatever the fuck he said. Probably, like, bore through... Your eardrum your or some shit? No, but I mean, isn't, your, that, isn't that part of your body encased in bone somewhere? No. Very soft no. bits. hole in your skull, but behind... You want to get you a skull to look at? No. Come here, Chris. Skulls are pretty empty. No, but my question is, so the, the, the idea of the SETI so. eel is it affects how you think and it makes you more impressionable mm-hmm. to suggestion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which, it hurts which like is, a prick. Which, and it hurts like a prick and or more than a prick. Like a prick in the ear. Ooh. And that's why whenever Khan tells me to do something, they do the thing and they, they follow command. <laughs> why do they only follow Khan's command and not Kirk's as well? Why why is it that when Kirk's like put the gun down, they don't put the gun down? Maybe because it's like in direct opposition. Maybe it's like whoever well, they whoever gives the anything. first command can't. Well, maybe maybe that's why they end up conflicted. Mm. Because they're trying to decide that's which how Chekhov survives. Because there's like if the fucking brain, like brain bug ate part of his brain, maybe he just doesn't have enough brains. Who knows? Mm. Like Fry in Futurama. Yeah, with the brain slugs. These things was what like killed most of Khan's people. Yeah. Well, but also I th- the ones that killed Khan's people is it definitely that they were boring into the ear, or was it that they were like eating them alive and they're sleep? Like I was guessing that like they crawled into the ear while they were asleep or something. Yeah. But the thing is, why? Yeah, like that's what I can figure is why it eventually crawls out of Chekhov's head. Like what yeah, makes it I leave? Wondered that. Is it like oh, this I guy's ass- too dumb? I need a better brain. <laughs> I assumed whatever the hell Doc was doing caused it to freak out, because it didn't look like his normal scanner. Doc just standing around mm-hmm. being gorgeous? What are you talking about? Well, he, had, oh, like, he, had that... he was in this movie, wasn't he? I can't wait to talk about that. He had that thing he was scanning him with, and I, I always kind of figured that had something oh, to do with it. Oh, because it's probably uses some kind of weird sonic technology or something, so something. maybe it was like, woo, 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 at like a, a frequency that really just drives brain slugs crazy. Mm. Nice. But well, I thought... regardless, Kirk shouldn't shoot the thing, because you should probably study it. Well, not only that, but everyone's like, Jesus, it's a good thing he's a really good shot. A few inches <laughs> up and no more Chekhov. Well, yeah. I mean, is it good that he's a good shot? Wow. I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, He needs to at least, at least make it through four. That's Chekhov's golden moments. True. But yeah, Ames, what you were saying, like, I was thinking you were going to say, like, you know, they're conflicted because they've got the conflicting orders, mm-hmm. and Chekhov eventually doesn't completely snap like Terrell did because he was actually Kirk's subordinate for so long that something in him was able to, like, respond more to Kirk in a way Terrell could couldn't. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, but interesting. Terrell didn't shoot Kirk. Shot no, that, 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 that's why, him. like, they were getting conflicting orders, which is why they both freaked out, but the reason Chekhov didn't snap like Terrell did is partly because of his relationship mm. to Kirk, maybe? Yeah, I can see that. Can, uh, speaking, of that speaking of that scene, can we, uh, can I call the plot hole alert? Here it comes. <gasps> oh! Wait, wait, will you do the voice, or? What's the... Yeah, okay. Yes, that. Thank well, you. Well, so, uh, Mr. Meyer, have <laughs> a little uh, niggling thing to address with you about the scene in which Captain Terrell shoots himself. He, oh, this isn't the, this isn't what I expected. Go on. Either. He tells Captain Kirk, uh, or no, he he he's on the phone to. Khan and says, well, you have the coordinates of the Genesis device. You can beam it up. And he does. Why doesn't Khan then beam 
other people down to kill Kirk? That's a good question. That's because Khan is a fucking insane and wants to have this whole huge, ridiculous supervillain thing. I mean, it's like why it's like why Doctor Evil doesn't just shoot Austin Powers like Scott suggests because he wants it to be this grand gesture to like show Kirk how big his dick is or something. Buried. Now they they actually do address it in the movie. Oh, like okay. it's not it's and they so they close they do successfully close <laughs> the plot hole in the movie, but. I'm still calling bullshit. What was the... What was the... So the way they close it is Kirk gets on the phone to Khan after Terrell shoots himself and is like, If you want to kill me, Khan, you're going to have to come down here! You're going to have to come down here! That's <laughs> <laughs> sort of how he says it. <laughs> and then Khan is like, No, I'm just going to let you rot inside the asteroid. But I still call bullshit on that because... No. Khan yeah. would have beamed down and... It's, 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 it's the Dr. Evil thing. It's yeah. exactly Dr. Evil thing. No, I'll just, I'm just going to leave him in the room with the sharks with lasers and <laughs> assume that everything went well. And, and not check meanwhile, later. Meanwhile, you have Seth Green being like, no, just shoot him! There's a just gun! Shoot him! a gun in my room! <laughs> like, the guy, like... I, I'd like to mention there's a cut scene with a little sidekick there being like, you know, sir, he, he has a point. <laughs> Maybe we should. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, you could tell that Khan's crew, like especially the the oh, one the one speaking role guy, like was getting sick of his bullshit. Like, yeah. we have the Genesis device. Let's just go all. Let's just go make a planet for ourselves and live there. Yeah, we could even go back sweet. to Seti Alpha. We shit. can destroy or yeah. create whatever we want. Shitty Alpha Six. Shitty Alpha Five. Here's the problem I have. Speaking of Khan's crew, why are they all twenty? I wondered that too. Because they They're age really Superman. slowly. He's the oldest, but and they all. Why age are they really younger slowly. than they were when they were when in they the were original episode? Yeah. yeah, fifteen years earlier, they've aged negative five years. They're Benjamin buttoning that shit. Like I used to think, maybe they were like the descendants of some of the originals, but he specifically says they swore a vow to him two hundred. So it's, they're supposed to be the originals. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just like, uh, excuse me. There is another one actually <laughs> that you realize he never says anything, and he's off to the side. He looks like he's about Khan's age. He's mm. the only other one who isn't 20 and looks like they're out of a German 80s fashion magazine. Now, here's, now here's the thing, though. We never actually see, in in Space Seed, we only see a handful of spa, of uh, Khan's crew. Yeah. We know that there's 200 and something more of them, right? I thought it was 78 or 79. Oh, that's right, yeah, 78. So yeah, you're right. Still, there's a shit one in the But we only see. see, like, a dozen or more. At, at most, yeah. Well, right, because I think they were, yeah, like, waking them up slowly and... so. So right, so when they woke them, well, Khan woke them up. Remember, right, he right. went over to the ship and woke them up. So he would probably only have woken up the most experienced ones that he had, who would be, you know, good for taking over the ship. Right. For all we know, a bunch of the other ones are like ten-year-old children. That he, that's possible. Or he left them in cryo even longer. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that oh, yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying is that there if might he only have been woke more. Up some of them. Yeah, and I, then well, when Seti Alpha uh, like became fucked, he just ate them, and that's how they've been surviving. Because there's no reason for them to survive if there's no fucking life mm. on the planet. Well, no, but they have the the Botany Bay might have a replicator on. Well, it. No, a, it's from the '90s. It but no, no, but here's the thing: it's actually not the Botany Bay. It is cargo containers yeah. from the Enterprise. Yeah, because they set the Botany Bay adrift. Yeah, they set the Botany Bay adrift. Why they, was there a botany bay? Yeah, well, that's a seat seat belt. belt in there. <laughs> like, Someone had taken the belt with them. Like, like, Maybe they were using it as a belt. Uh, Khan was like, well, you know, before you send the botany bay adrift, let me just get some souvenirs. I so want I a memento. remember my time in prison. <laughs> 
Speaking of souvenirs, there was something I... This is only very tangentially related. Hannibal Lecter liked to eat his victims? So... No? Red Dragon. Souvenirs. They, they also recycled Kirk's cabin from the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Because he still got those weird... His piano. That too. But also the, the weird wall... Um, no, no, that's his apartment. His oh. cabin on the Enterprise. Oh, excuse me. He's got those weird, like, wall cabinets that look like the nacelles. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed this time, and I never noticed it before, is at the end of the film, you can see he's got th- this weird little antique telescope that you earlier see in his apartment in the cabin. And it's like, you thought you were going to be along for a couple of day training mission. He could have You two. brought a memento? It's his lucky telescope. He knew he'd the find fuck? a way to take command. Like, he just knew that he was going <laughs> to yeah. be the captain. Yeah, he's done it before. He'll do it again. Yeah, I guess um, so. Here's another interesting thing I noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think, and don't quote me on this, and some nerd that's listening can tell us, maybe, but it looks like... <laughs> some nerd. But it looked to me like Kirk's quarters are pretty much, are later redressed to be Data's quarters on TNG. Hmm. And the way I say that is because he's got that sort of half-rounded wall. Oh, interesting. Which also Data has, and it's like a very specific looking wall. When we get to TNG, I'll have to look. Yeah, I'll have to see if, if they I wouldn't be surprised. reuse that set for Data's quarters. Yeah, I mean, they reuse sets constantly. On I think it might have also been Worf's quarters at one point. No, oh, maybe. They changed it up. Yeah. They reused the Enterprise Bridge as the Reliant, Reliant Bridge. Yeah. And that's actually interesting because that's Khan is only ever on SETI Alpha 5 or on the Reliant. Yep. We ne- like Kirk and Khan are never in the same room together. What do you mean no. reuse the Enterprise Bridge? For the they, Reliant. They rearranged it, but oh, it's all so it's the, the same. Oh, it's the same set, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just put some shit Well, on. that set lasts a long time. Yes. I think it's also the they reuse it as everything on the, on the Enterprise. Well, it shows up in TNG a couple times. There's a couple different bridges. Yeah. I was reading about it once. Well, you know what they say, don't burn your bridges. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it was actually good. Uh, it wasn't, but thank you. <laughs> well, they are going to burn them. But yeah, like, I think what you were saying, though, is I feel like for this poor, like, Shatner and... Ricardo Montalban. We're never even on set on the same day. Yeah, ever. they filmed four months apart. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. Because that's that's the reason why, to me at least, Khan not beaming down is stupid. I feel too. like that was probably in an original version of the script because there used to be a fight scene between the two. Mm-hmm. And I guess it got cut. I do feel kind of like Khan would want to actually feel Kirk's skull crush in his hands yeah. and feel his blood. Like, that's kind of how I feel Khan would want yeah. I wonder if it was a budget thing because they got so freaked out on motion picture that it cost forty six million mm. fucking dollars. Well, yeah, didn't you say this, this one, one cost like eleven? Like yeah. Well, they they certainly spent better money on their matte painter because the Genesis Cave looked really cool. I yeah, that looked really good. Oh, you know what I thought looked great too? I thought they had gotten a lot better with their ink in water. Oh, uh, for the Mutara Nebula. Yeah, yeah. The, the the space looked beautiful. I was yeah, really I was good. very impressed by that. Yeah, cool. And obviously, again, the the fucking uniforms were. Oh. Oh, the much improved uniforms. Significantly better. They're improved. I'm not a big fan of the fabric, the, the, the red of the normal uniform fabric. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it in the, the high def on TV, and I swear my grandmother had a couch of that material. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's probably pretty cheap. If it was only $11 million, they probably... It might have been upholstery, seriously. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have another plot hole alert! Oh my god! Oh, I hope this is the one I thought it was going to be last time. No. I don't if it's the one that you, if it, no, no, because I'm not, I'm specifically not going to bring that one up. Okay. Because that's one that everybody brings up. Okay. Everybody brings it up, and it's already been explained many times. It's not worth talking about again. So I'm not going to bring that one up. Excellent. But this one I'm going to bring up is how the fuck does Khan 
know what happened to SETI Alpha 6? Yes! And how the fuck does the Reliant go to where SETI Alpha 6 should be and not realize that it's not there? Because they're, well, because here's the thing. They're counting planets from the outside in, not the inside out. No, but they should know the fucking coordinates. I mean, they've got scanners that can see stuff from, like, thousands of kilometers away, and they somehow don't notice a whole... You know, one of our planets is missing. Hey! That actually applies here. Like, hmm. That, I yeah. feel like you mentioned this the first time we watched this film together. You were like, how do they not fucking notice a whole planet's yeah, missing? Yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, again, with today's tech, sure. Because yeah. when you think about it, we only found Pluto less than a century ago. Mm-hmm. But again, they've got fucking scanners that are basically magic. And they somehow... You think the guy did know it's been bothering him? Yeah, there's supposed to be six here? Eh, whatever. Yeah, and then... Uh, but, like, I, I just... I, I'm more like I can't. I, I can get like you know some mistake, you know clerical error. Somebody wrote down. Che- Chekhov's not paying a fucking. A paying but the fact that that Khan knew exactly from a scientific perspective what happened. You know that the planet blew up. Our he's orbit a superhuman. Duh. Was he have a tel? Did they send him down with telescopes and, and his eyes? His eyes are that good. I mean, they presumably <laughs> sent them down with because they the plan at the end of Space Seed had been to give them stuff so they could try to sort of survive. Mm. And they may have given them a telescope for different purposes. Or I mean, hell, if you're on a planet, you don't have maps. You're gonna navigate by the stars. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in theory, if they know the planet exploded, it must have exploded at a point where the two planets were... Well, rather, if the explosion was enough to knock the planet out of kilter, it must have been, like... Very close. They must have been in the same general... But here's the thing. I feel like if there was an explosion that was close enough to knock it out of its orbit like that... That it would have killed everything on the planet, including yeah. them. Like I don't think That's if they were too. there for it, I don't think they would have survived. They're it. like superhumans. Think, think about yeah, but think about how like a, an asteroid of a certain well, size would completely fucking fuck all of humanity if it hit Earth. You okay. know what I mean? Like I just feel like I'm also so I'm not a physicist, so take this with a grain of salt. But I'm not sure that it's necessarily that the that the force of the explosion knocked the planet out because I think with what I would, what I always imagined, what it was, was that you know, in a solar system, the planets affect each other's orbits just yeah. by being there and being, oh, so, you know, point. being sources of gravity. Yeah. So with if you know, if Mars just vanished one day, its effect on the Earth's orbit would uh, would change. Oh fuck! Yeah, how Earth's true. orbit worked, uh, sort of like you know how the Moon affects tides and things like that. But yeah, I'd never, I'd never thought about that before. Yeah, that's but... how I've always sort of. Th- figured it was it was it wasn't like the explosion knocked it out but that like the planet went away and therefore it changed all the orbits of the of the nearby planet. but if that happened it's only, it's would it, 25 years that wouldn't happen that not even it's like time. 15 years 15 yeah he, he, yeah he keeps saying like, he keeps yeah. saying 15 years yeah would but it, it go would it get closer bit. or further away if that happened if we removed a planet yeah. i think it just depends because you know like orbits are elliptical right in part because of how they're interacting with other planets Huh. And so, it would also depend on how like long a year is on those planets, and yeah. there's all kinds of who knows math involved. But like even, but to your point, it doesn't take much change in the distance to have a great effect on the environment. Because just think about like how between winter and summer, how different the environment can be, and that's yeah. only. I mean, that's not only that's not dis- that's angle as well. It's, yeah, but that the angle is also. It's because the sun is physically farther away. It's not that it's, no, I don't think it's that it's physically far away. I think it's that it, it's... It's because the light it's, is... The, light is, the light is coming at yeah. an angle instead of straight on. Right. Is that right. really why? 
That's so one that, of the major reasons. Still, maybe, that sounds more plausible anyway. Maybe that's still, it could have caused orbital wobble. Yeah, maybe it just tilted wobble. a little bit and that was all it took. Maybe. But still, it wobble. does feel like 15 years wouldn't be enough to make it a complete desert wasteland if... Uh, maybe there was like radiation or something. Maybe a chunk yeah. of City Alpha 6 crashed into City Alpha 5 mm. and just Give like not big enough. Ice Age? Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Or All Anna. the dinosaurs died off. Yeah, yeah. Also, when Chekhov is scanning the planet, he detects a tiny possible, like, not even sure it's a life form. Yeah. He's like, oh, there's like, it could be a micro. We should go check it out. There's like 20 people. A town. A couple dozen people. How shitty are the sensors on the Reliant that they can't pick up not just all the people, but the fucking creatures, the, the ear whip bugs that live there? I mean, in the past, certainly there hasn't been an issue with stuff like that. Maybe so, like, Chekhov maybe Chekhov also needs glasses and he <clears throat> isn't. Doing I think they were just they were they were so set on finding a planet that they could use their fucking device on. This was probably good enough. What Don't I even understand check. though is like there's Dead planets yeah. everywhere. How hard is it to find a rock? If they hadn't fucking used regular, regular rather, for phase two, they could have used regular. Like, are they actually saying that, are they saying that life is so abundant in the Star Trek universe that every single planet, like, there's, like, moons of Jupiter and things mm-hmm. like that. I was going to say, couldn't they have just gone to Venus? Yeah. <laughs> like, how far do you have to go? Right. But, you know, they probably didn't want to... Um... I mean, there might be some requirements, like it has to be in the habitable zone around yeah. the star. Well, they probably also didn't want to do it too close to home, just in case it, like, I don't know, blew up the planet and then fucked up mm. the Earth's orbit. They probably want to go fuck somebody else's orbit up first. But I think that's actually the best point, is, like... Yeah, it has to be where If it's... you're in the habitable zone, you're less likely to have a completely dead world. Yeah. Because I'm sure, you know, Venus... I mean, we can't live there, but it is... There's probably some sort of microbial life on it. Mars... Well, I don't know. I mean, is there? I feel like they've been looking and they haven't really found We can't really... I don't think think we've ever gotten... the atmosphere is so caustic that we can't even, like, send probes down to the surface. Yeah, we don't know much about what's going on. Is it really acidic? Is that what the deal is with Venus? I mean, I don't know if it's acidic. It's just... It's gross. I think it's, like, sulfurous. I think it's... Oh, is that what it is? Gross. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It It even eats through anything you send there. Interesting. And, I mean, Mars has ice caps, which means at some point there was water, which means there's probably some kind of... Or was some kind of... Well, I feel like they have found that there has been something on Mars. Yeah, so, I mean, if it's... Not definitively. Not that they've... That would be... Is Yeah, that's where they're keeping it from the public, so people don't fucking shit themselves. But yeah, that that's that's I think the best point because I was thinking that. But you're right, like finding a completely dead world that is also you know would stay alive after you have Genesis. Yeah, there's probably it. is actually well, all kinds of requirements, which is actually why it makes sense that it would be SETI Alpha Five because that used to be a habitable world. Yeah, up until 15 years ago. Yeah, and actually you see SETI Alpha Five in Enterprise. Mm. Uh, it's very nice. Hmm. Yeah. I have a question. Habitable world. Wouldn't, in theory, whatever you shoot down the Genesis, like, if you shoot the Genesis device onto a planet, would the life that develops there not just be life that could live where it was? Or is it specifically well, making it Earth life? I mean... I, well, it looks like it was making Earth life. Like, it was basically... It was terraforming. It was making Class M planets. But since it seems like 97% of the Federation is Class M species... All it's right. all good. Yeah, I was just curious. I was wondering if it was, like, dependent on where you actually shoot the thing in or if it's just whatever you program it to do. Yeah. But I guess it's more of a programming thing because it is a matrix. 
It's also interesting, this is sort of the first time you get an inkling that not all is very, not all is peaceful inside the Federation in the sense that the science, the scientists on, on regular <laughs> one were not trusting mm-hmm. of Starfleet. Like, yeah, they're they, like, they're they, going to they, be... Well, they, David mostly. They went from zero to really pissed off awfully quick. Well, yeah. Well, well they were having a life work co-op. Yeah, that's true, and they're defense. Yeah, but they're, they're convinced, well, David especially is convinced that the the military, as they call Starfleet, wants to use it for a weapon. Yeah, which is interesting because you know we all throughout most of Star Trek, we're getting the story from the Starfleet perspective. Yeah, it's seldom do we see the the civilians' view of Starfleet. So it'd be yeah. interesting to know, like, is that a problem? Like, does Starfleet often co-opt civilian science projects for nefarious purposes? Does does David actually have a reason to be concerned about this? I mean, what's the Admiral Marcus in this universe like? That's true. It's probably the same as the Admiral Marcus in the reboot universe. Probably a dickhead. Probably a dickhead. What real life event do we think that that like? Because if you assume that art is always being influenced by the time, what scientists would have been really, really pissed at the government in the eighties? Mm. Aside from all of them, actually, probably anyone who's ever made weapons, right? Because weren't like weapons getting shifted around to people that shouldn't have them and stuff. Well, there was, That's that. there was it. like, yeah. But I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I can't think of instances where civilian technology has been. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, that's true. made for the military, and then the rest of us get it. Yeah. Well, we have have one reader who I bet we can count on Mm. for that, so hopefully he'll fill us in. One thing I noticed this time that, again, I'd never noticed before somehow is one of the guys on Regula has the Starfleet insignia worked into his uniform, Hmm. his little science outfit. But it's not like like he doesn't have a badge, and he's he's still in a uniform that looks more or less like the other scientist outfits. But it's the one that actually eventually gets uh, zapped by Terrell in the Mm. cave. Oh, but he's got like a big sort of patch there. Wait, I never noticed that before. Is he supposed to be like he's clearly not full Starfleet because he's not going like now. Wait a minute, let's all calm down when people are getting pissed at Starfleet. But he's got the arrowhead, and it's just like is there like an FDA? What do you mean? Branch? Is he like a liaison? Is he? Oh god, who was that dickhead with the sleeves in uh, Galileo Seven? What was his position? He was a Federation. Uh, what was his title? Remember he had those sleeves and he was like, Kirk, we gotta go! And Kirk was like, but my crew! Yeah, he was some kind of attaché. Yeah, so I wonder if he was like some sort of liaison or something. Certified by Starfleet, but not actually Starfleet. Speaking about arrowheads, Mm. what do you guys think about Khan's necklace? Because his necklace is clearly the belt buckle from a Star Trek II era Starfleet uniform. Yep. Did... Did he take that from one of the Reliant crew? No, because he's got it the minute he takes off his cloak on SETI Alpha 5. He already had that. But, it's always bugged me. But they don't... Yeah, exactly, because there's no reason he would have that belt buckle because they didn't wear that belt buckle on the original series. <laughs> like, unless we're supposed to assume Khan, in his obsession, made himself a little Starfleet medallion that just happened to end up looking like the belt buckles they have. Yeah, that's always bugged me. 
even if, like you said, if you just waited till he was on the Reliant, yeah. you could figure he had co-opted it, because he's wearing a coat for a little while at one point. But yeah, it's also yeah. clearly, like, old and burned, and... Yeah. Like, how much time did he spend after he got... After he took over the Reliant for arts and crafts? All right, we've got the ship. Well, Let's make necklaces! But that's Kirk the, took a lot of time to read his book, so sure maybe did. there was an agreed-upon break in the action for, like, a week where <laughs> yes. everyone could, you know... Arts and crafts and read and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah now that necklace leave. has always bothered me. Why would he even have that? Fixation I, I even... on Starfleet because of Kirk. I guess but it's, it has, it because the costume like designer weird... thought it would be it would be nice to, nice to like show the culture moving over. Well, nice fucking call, costume it's designer. The reason why they have up. the belt buckles from or the uh, the seat belts from uh, from Botany Bay. Bonnie Bay. Like it's just like let's drop this in here because well, it's cool. Being fair, that was probably the props mistress or master. Mm. I mean, again, I, I could see him sort of just. In his obsession on SETI Alpha 5, sitting there going, just fixating on Kirk and Starfleet and their iconography. Mm. The only problem, again, is just that he happens to have something that looks like... You know, if it was just like... If it looked a bit more like the patches they'd worn back in the 60s, or rather back when he first met them, that would have been less distracting. And then Mm. you could have uh, explained it away as being like an officially... What do you call it? When they give you a thing... Because you're commissioned. commissioned. You could say it was like an officially commissioned, you know, keychain that he stole yeah. on his way out or something. Wait, well, okay. They sent him down to SETI Alpha 5 with some swag. No, wait, wait. <laughs> here's, here's your Starfleet mug. <laughs> maybe. And a Starfleet blanket. This is kind of a stretch, but maybe. It was from some sort of plaque or award or something that belonged to his wife. Oh. And he took it off after she died. Marla? Whatever. I thought you were going to say that he... McGivers? I was hoping you were going to say that he had broken it off of something Kirk owned, like someone stealing the... Hood ornament off a car? Yeah. <laughs> that also is funny. But yeah, it could have been something... It's actually the Enterprise's hood ornament. He broke it off on his way out. But yeah, it, maybe it was something of hers. Yeah. You know what's terribly be. sad is Marla McGivers was supposed to be a character in the really? movie, but uh, the actress, uh, Madeline Rue, had contracted MS, oh, and it sad. wasn't going to work out. Oh, Jesus. Jeez. Hey, it, I mean, had, assuming the character was dead gave Khan more impetus. Yeah, to I mean, yeah, he blamed Kirk for Yeah, it gave death. him the whole Captain Ahab characterization going on. I wonder if she was going to be the one that was trying to be the voice of reason then that would in be the original script. Also, she'd oh, be the one that'd to... be able to tell them, like, shoot the Enterprise exactly right here if you want it to actually shut down. Yeah. Which I think Chekhov had to probably do. Khan might have already... Well, they also... Khan would have already maybe known that, though. He read all the technical... Yeah, read the entire technical spec of the Enterprise. Though it had changed so much that both his information and MacGyver's would have both been... Well, he could have also read... The Reliant Reliant probably has. That's fair. And they've already... They're already... They're already logged into, you know, Starfleet Wikipedia or whatever. Yeah, I was wondering how the Khan's crew could figure out how to fly the fucking thing, how to go and repair the fucking thing and do Mm. all the maneuvering with the... Yo, they're wicked smart. They're wicked smart, but they're also 200 fucking years behind. What I just want to see... It's a lot of catching up to do in the hour it takes to go... It only took Khan like two hours in sickbay. Yeah. I just want to see uh, all the f- poor fucking Reliant crew crammed into the space that had previously been for 78 people. Mm. Although I'm sure a lot of them were killed during the insurrection, but Ooh. still. like I, I imagine, I don't know what the crew complement of a Miranda-class starship is, but I'm sure it's more than 78 people. Mm. Yikes. Speaking of Miranda-class, so we learn that starships have a prefix code that you can use to... 
So is it... Why doesn't Savick know this? She, she loves being by the book. Well, here's the thing about that technology, about that thing. It's very convenient. Is the only command that you can issue using this shields down? Is that the command? Because I Turn think engines if off? If you were going to build that feature into a starship to be able to remote control it, because you'd have to, that would have to have been designed into the ship. Yeah. It seems like, like that would be a great feature for like, oh, you have a runaway ship. Or yeah. someone's stolen a ship. Yeah, yeah. You could fly shut it, in, fly shut, it into the sun. Shut down the warp drive. Shut down all power. Lock out all bridge controls. Cut off oxygen. Start, shut off the weapons. Turn on the neurotoxin. They apparently yeah, have. Yeah. Release the whales. Release. N- Release gas. the bees. The security bees. <laughs> a bunch of bees in tiny red like, shirts. Well, with and, for that, and for that matter, uh, having an actual self-destruct too. Yeah. So I mean, the so I would assume that the feature allows you essentially to control any you think yeah. that would make sense but apparently the only thing it lets you do is take the shields down maybe that's just the only thing kirk thought yeah. to do kirk's like i just want to shoot him <laughs> he's he's like i could shut him down i could shut down the warp drive i could shut down the impulse drive i could make them dead in the water and we could board the ship and take it back over but no we'll just bring their shields down so i can shoot them Kirk has a bad history with Obsession 2. That's true. And he did, you know, Khan did fuck with his baby mama and his baby. It's true. Though uh, Kirk never really seems that upset about it. He seems to kind of just be fucking laughing at Khan the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Aside, from that like... first, aside from that first blow Khan gets on him. Yeah, um, yeah. well, Khan surprised him. Doesn't he much. literally say, like, I'm mocking you, Khan? Or uh, doesn't he, like, say something like that? I'm laughing at you. Yeah. I'm laughing at you. The, yeah. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. That's they going to follow him into the nebula. I wonder if Kirk's going to get into any kind of trouble for not going, not approaching the Reliant with shields up like Savick chastised him for. I mean, he should, but he won't because he's Kirk and yeah. he's made a fucking Teflon. White male privilege, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like if it was brought up, they could be like, yeah, but it was a, it was another, st-. like Khan says, one big happy fleet. Yeah. They yeah. make a big deal in the movie that Kirk has never, like, confronted death. Mm. Um, and then you with the whole Kobayashi Maru thing, with the whole Spock dying thing. He's confronted death a fucking lot, though. He yeah, watched his, his brother died. Yeah, he's got his friend. His, 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 yeah, um, but what was his name? Gary... Mitchell. Mitchell. Gary Mitchell died. Gary Seven. Um, didn't he take the Kobayashi Maru twice Three before? Times. Yeah. So the third time or the fourth time I was the one the that he actually thing. did? That's what the, I, that you took it and failed. They okay. keep saying what, what, he's never had healer. Well, and killer. not to mention countless red shirts. Well, some red shirts he doesn't give no, a fuck about. some of whom he actually got really connected to and actually got, got all weepy about later. Mm. There were a couple instances where he's like... I knew his father. What are they going to say? Well, and we also so had sad. And the moment with Scotty's nephew, he was like being really like touchy feely. Scotty, like, you know, go to they, the fucking med bay. Don't bring a fucking dying kid on the bridge. He was in shock. Do not give him shit for that. I am going to give him shit because he has to fucking follow order and he's the one that should keep his shit together because he's the chief engineer. But that's his nephew. He is in shock. That's his only nephew, isn't it? Like his no, it's his sister's youngest, so oh, she's got a bunch. Then fuck it. But Maybe that's clearly him. that is clearly his favorite nephew because he's in space and he's an engineer. It's the son he never had. Oh, yeah. Does, does Scotty not have any kids? No. Scotty ever get have a woman? Not that I know. Scotty never has a woman. All this poon chasing he does in the show, and Scotty never settles down to pop out a few puppies like with, a, a, with a wife. He's actually talk- gay. Like, oh. that's revealed in, in Next Generation, that he was actually gay the whole time. 
I think Jake is. I, I know. <laughs> the thing is, I know you're lying, but I would be so all about that if that was the case. I mean. We've ta- I feel like we talked about this once in an early like episode. The, lo- the loneliness episode? None of them yeah. ever really settle down. McCoy well, well, he should. He's got Natira waiting on an asteroid. Well, we speaking know Sulu of McCoy. has a daughter. Speaking of McCoy. Oh, speaking of speaking McCoy. Of, oh, God, God, did he look handsome. Getting chills already. Apparently, there was a, a plot element in an original script where he was supposed to have a love interest who was way younger than him. So it could have been one of us. I was hoping. Saying. I mean, I was going to call the casting and say, hey guys, you need, you need somebody? Mm-hmm. You need someone back in 1981? Yeah, I wasn't even a glimmer in my I parents' eyes care. yet in 1981. I'll do it now. Just Photoshop me in. But to go back Let's to your safe. point about Kirk and not facing death, I feel oh, right. like in some ways it was that was meant more metaphorically. Because obviously as a Starship captain, he has faced death. A lot of death, as we know. <laughs> it was meant metaphorically. I'm going to make this blatantly untrue statement, but I mean it metaphorically. Well, I think that, like, he's never faced death in a way that he didn't feel like he had control, maybe. Mm. Like, it's, it's less about having someone die and more about the fact that he has someone die and that he really cares about and there's nothing that he can oh, which is kind of the, the no-win situation right but say that say you've never had to deal with a no-win situation yeah. because at least that's a legit thing to say and it isn't just fucking blatantly stupid and true. not true hey, Caitlin's on point. the mark here Thank also you. I kind of wonder like let's, let's but it'd still be wrong because he still did the goddamn Kobayashi Maru three times and had to do it twice and no-win twice before yeah, he just he decided could, to cheat never, but he didn't accept that no instance. Well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cheated. Well, I the other thing is, sorry. even if you do accept it, like, the Kobayashi Maru is basically a video game. Pew, pew. pew like, pew. how much can you really say you've faced a no-win scenario if you're doing it in something that you know is fake? I had a wonderment. I have a lot of wonderments. Ooh, so many wonderments. It's, it's a wonderful uh, movie. The so. wonderments of Khan. <laughs> and because this happens a fucking lot. Where they enter neutral, like the neutral zone or neutral mm-hmm. space or wherever the fuck. Yep. What the fuck are the rules of neutral space? Because it seems whenever they enter enter neutral space, either the Romulan neutral space or the Klingon neutral space or however many neutral spaces there are in space. Yeah. There happen, there's always like a Romulan, you know, ship or a Klingon ship right there. It's like, should they be in neutral space? Yeah. I think it's more like... Are they the, patrolling? Are like they allowed to? it's more like a demilitarized to? zone where you're just... Neither side is supposed to go there. Yeah. But like the, international but waters, sort of? Not no. even that. Like like the the Korean DMZ, where like there's this, there's like a stretch of land. I don't even know how wide. Not very wide. No. Across, that separates North and North South, South Korea. Korea, where neither side is supposed to go. And if you How do go, you police that then? You just you stand on the borders of it, you stand next to it and you just watch and you it. say, Oh wait, okay, a North Korean just walked into the zone. Treaty violation, shoot him. Which literally, I mean, they just sit there and glare at each other across it's like the yeah. butter the battle DMZ. book up in here. More or less. But like so it's probably more like that where there's just listening posts all along the neutral zone that are just waiting for the other and, side. And there's to, like to the to federations cheat. on this side and if like a random Romulan ship that isn't going after someone who's already in there, mm. they can jump in too. Maybe. The other thing to remember too is that? like how stupid is Starfleet to put a, a neutral zone when the people on the other side of the neutral zone have cloaking devices. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. like they can be violating that neutral zone Constantly. Constantly. Not even that. They could be in your space. Constantly. Con! Like, the Romulans could be flying right up to Earth 
and stealing Earth's cable. You know what they're doing? They're flying up to Earth. They're They're beaming down. They're leaving deuces in people's toilets without flushing and then beaming up. (laughs) Harsh. And then, so that's why, like, there's, like, people people on Earth are just, every time you go into the bathroom, it's like, there's a giant green shit in the toilet. (laughs) And Romulan deuces are ten times more potent than human deuces. I love the idea that some spoiled, rich Romulan kid... Like, actually does that. Yes. Like, goes all the way to Earth, beams, beams down, down into the Federation president's personal toilet, shits, and then gets out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the it's the Romulan equivalent of, like, a burning bag of dog shit on your doorstep. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. So, I, I've been keeping this in the whole time, and I, I bring it up now. <laughs> We had a bathroom break! <laughs> I am, as again, as I said before, the, the, the self-appointed uh, aesthetics police for this show. I am so happy to be in what I consider Star Trek's aesthetic high point. Mm. You know, they, they, they took the good ship from the last movie and carried it over. They burnt all the uniforms or whatever. Actually, uh, apparently some of think, them were dyed and reused. Yeah, I, I think I saw some of those buckles come back up. Yeah, and, and I, I'm pretty sure... Had a buckle. Yeah, and I think the watches that... Um, the little wrist communicators that Khan's crew had, as well as Terrell and Chekhov, I wouldn't be surprised if they were repurposed from the stupid Apple watches they had in the motion say, picture. Like it or not, smart watches are here to stay. Anyway, but, you know, we've got... The best uniforms ever, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they should have just stuck with these from there on out with only minor changes over the years. Could have used more tailoring, if I'm being frank. I mean, maybe a little, but that's the minor changes. You know, maybe, tweak them a little. Yeah. Maybe the coats were sweet. I like the coats. Love those coats. Those, those coats, coats are, really are the best. Oh, yeah, the, like, parka-looking shit with the wide, um, with the really nice Oh, wide, yeah, the away uh, team jackets. Yeah, those the, are nice. I love these uniforms. I love that. They're Basically perfect, even if the rank insignia are a little impossible to understand. Also, the department colors are not, are less clear. Yeah, those the could colors be... are colored, aren't they? Is yeah, yeah, but turtlenecks. Yeah, and it's like white for command, mint green for medical. Look good and... on him, though. Everything looks good on him. True. Mm. Um, but I like. I mean, like minor tweaks. Maybe make the departmental sections a little more clear. Maybe make the rank insignia a little more clear. But aside from that. These are, as far as I'm concerned, the best Star Trek uniforms ever. Yeah, I like these too. Yeah, they're very, the very, ship's they're very military. They went crazy military. With they this did, movie. and the score. The this also is very military. My favorite Star Trek theme. It's a good one. Hummelbar. Uh. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that is nice. Uh, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz in like kind of a weird like MGM really big grandiose film way. Does anybody else feel that way? Can anybody else understand what I mean when I say that? Chris no. didn't understand what I meant. I mean, I, like I said, I I just it's too I know, it's tied too- up in Star Trek for me to look at it in any other way. Well, I also think there's actually a bar of music that sounds like that in The Wizard of Oz when they're showing the like Opening, Maybe. there's like some opening words at the beginning, like on the screen, and I feel like it's got a very similar. Maybe. But yeah, like when 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 they you know took the the motion picture theme for next gen, it's like maybe, but maybe you should have gone with the other one. Basically, I just feel like Star Trek, you know, for all they did, they should have used it for DS9. I'm not a fan of DS9s. They should have just stopped here aesthetically, but then improved everything else. Yeah, I mean the the nice the one thing about the uniforms too is the, the tailoring. Like the way, like it's not just the design of the uniform is really good, but the way that they were cut on the actors was mm. really, really sharp. Like, well, especially compared to those. Spock fucking... looks about twenty feet long. Yeah, he's so fucking thin. Oh, 
God, and bones too. So he had thin. legs for days in that suit. <laughs> oh, no, I liked. No, I actually, I, I still don't understand the engineering. Like, I have a big suction cup in my chest uniform. Well, that's for their but, little breathing apparatuses when there's gas in the air. Sure, okay, but well, we saw. I don't know how much of McCoy's surgical. Oh, his med- wonderful medical white coat. coat. That was a fucking sweet coat. That was really nice. And he, when he did, when he did his leap in front of Spock to say, "Don't go in the fucking radiation chamber," and the coat just kind of flaps behind. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. Mm, Damn nice. it, I have to rewatch that. Well, we're going to get to, as it turns out. We're yeah. paying much closer attention. Yeah, no, these are just, oh God, leaps and bounds over the motion picture garbage. Well, anything. Uh, I think, like, babies' jammies with, like, like giraffes and koalas on them. And footies. And footies. I mean, with footies and a butt, and a butt oh, flap. Oh, a butt flap. That's basically what they should have butt work. flaps. No. <laughs> yeah, no, they should. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Though I will say this uh, a couple things, and especially because I'm now looking at the poster. I have some beef with whatever the fuck Khan is wearing. Mm. I like his glove. The glove is cool. You don't like the glove from? What is that? MacGyver's hand? Did he like fucking (laughs) dip her fucking fingers in fucking metal and just put them on his fucking hand like a psycho? Where did that shit come from? It was like metal bits or something on the glove. And I can only imagine it's because... Life is so harsh. Life life is so harsh. Maybe he has like a wounded hand. Okay, but why... Okay, well... No. I'm just saying. Well, it's because both his gloves did have the metal. Some he just weird, only took one some off. Some weird Michael Jackson why shit is, going on at some point. Why does Savick on the poster look more like the actress from Star Trek Three right? than Kirstie Alley? That's so weird. That is weird. So we're looking at the poster right now. Or Michael Jackson, possibly also a little Michael bit. Jackson. One thing that I cannot stand about Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan is the fucking tagline. Oh, the, tagline the tagline is, is oh, so it's terrible. stupid. At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Which yeah, is, no, to me, that's... like, they just threw magnetic poetry Why at a fridge. Why is the Enterprise attacking Regular One? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Regular One had it coming, all right? Yeah. Why are they phasering Regular yeah, Whoever did sense. this poster did not know anything about no, the movie. No. Or what Kirstie Alley looked like. They kind of got the, the little hooded figures in the background right, though. Mm. Yeah, that that's true. That's pretty... does make them seem like they're going to be a bigger deal than they are. Yeah, at least in those outfits. For like two seconds. You know what? You know what the tagline for the motion picture was? No, it was um eh. the, the human adventure is beginning. Oh yeah, that's right. They're that's just dumb. really bad at taglines. This what? one is this is the one to see. The very best of well, all. That's a quote. That's I not know. a tagline. I know. <laughs> Which one is that? Six. Six. Though, so, first contact, resistance is futile. That's, that's good. That's, that's, right? that's, that's really good. That's just a line from the show. Well, good. Still, that still it... works. That's also a thing you hear a lot. Like, people will still say that a lot. So, yeah. I don't know if they originated it, but it definitely caught on. It but, yeah, what the fuck was Khan wearing? It was, su- it was supposed to stuff. look like, like you know, they've been living on their own for 15 years. And they but they just got to, really like, good at sewing. They would in 15 years. If, if you have to like, are keep really sewing smart. your clothes back together. But I mean, that's how Charlie Day is supposed to... Not Charlie Day. Charlie Kelly on um, Always Sunny lived, remaking his own clothes. Mm. Well, his pecs looked great, so whatever he's been doing, he's there also was, been... People used to think that they were prosthetics. They are not. No. Okay, also, the way the, way the nacelle pylon connects to the nacelle... Yeah, it's you, too far back. You gotta try to maybe repeat it into the. I don't, I'm sorry. Doesn't matter. I'm just nitpicking the poster. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure to share it so you can see what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to see what we're talking about. They'll be like these fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, How no, long I mean, did we talk about fucking Khan's necklace though? So movie movie marketing materials are often 
made by fucking lunatics who clearly know nothing about the project they're selling, so... Mm, true that. You know. We didn't talk too much about the character of Savik. There's uh, not really much Savikum. to say about her. She She's boring. She's just she's just another fucking Vulcan who like doesn't understand people and really wants to play by the rules. She's like, like half Vulcan, half Romulan, which I don't think made it into the movie, but no. everywhere I read, they call her the Vulcan, Vulcan Romulan. Huh. So that, so that should ex- have been explored. That explains why she is emotional at times during the movie. Like she cries about, or she's got tears mm. in her eyes. Oh, it's Spock's funeral. funeral. Yeah, I, just, I wondered about that too. Actually. I mean, I just wrote it off as she's young, so isn't quite as good as controlling her emotions yet as other Vulcans. I think when they asked um, the director Nicholas Meyer about that, they said you can't have her cry because she's a Vulcan. Vulcans don't cry. His response was, "That's what makes her so interesting." Mm. See, I do think she's interesting. <laughs> what a bullshit thing to say. <laughs> I like it. I give him credit. No, I mean, it's I, good, but think, it's, you know. Sorry, Jake. I mean, we'll probably talk about this during Star Trek Three. Ugh. But if I were to rewrite, if I was, okay, if I'm... Or recast. If I'm going into Paramount HQ mm-hmm. the day after Wrath of Khan is a smash success, and they're like, okay, well, we want to do a third one. Here's my pitch for Star Trek 3. Oh, I'm ready. Ooh, I'm very excited. Are you ready for my pitch for Star Trek 3? Yes. Yep. Okay. So Simon is still keep alive. In, keep in mind that Simon Pegg is listening, and we'll be probably stealing it for the fourth Kelvin Please movie. Please do. Hi, Simon. So, Love no, you. It's pretty, it's more or less, here's, here it is. So, at the end of, at the end of the Wrath of Khan, Captain, or uh, Spock does the remember thing to McCoy, uh-huh. da- downloading his Vulcan consciousness into McCoy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Katra, right? Yes. So that's what they call it in Star Trek Three. yeah. At the beginning of Star Trek Three, so it's more or less the same setup for Star Trek Three that there is. So Savik and David are, are on a science vessel. They're surveying the Genesis planet. Kirk and crew are back home. They're having a toast to absent friends. Sarek shows up. And says, well, Kirk, so I think, you know, so Spock, you know, when he died, he should have downloaded his consciousness into you. So let me check. Oh, no, he didn't. What a dingus. <laughs> and a uh, and he's like, okay, well, well, where's his body? We need his body. We need to bring his body back to Vulcan. <laughs> and Kirk's like, really? This, so so if you're paying attention, if you know Star Trek 3, so far this is the exact plot of Star Trek 3. We'll yeah. get there next week. But here's the difference. Yes. Instead of Spock coming back to life on the Genesis planet, they, they're going there for the same reason that they, that they actually steal the Enterprise, which is to retrieve the body. That is why they, if you, Star Trek 3, that's why they go there, to retrieve the body. They don't know he's back to life. That's true. Um, they're just going there to get the body I for Sarah. So when they get there, they're there, with, they're there with Bones, who's crazy. Love it. It's the best who's, Because he's got Spock in there too. And they save the day. David gets killed. They get Savik, and then they gotta go back to Vulcan on board the the uh, bird of prey. And what we find, and it turns out that McCoy is inches from death, from going completely mad with Spock's consciousness. So to save McCoy, Savik <sighs> yep. sucks out Spock's consciousness from McCoy's penis. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, face. <laughs> she, Ames and I are like, go on. <laughs> and then we and then we learn that in the another new thing that we didn't know about Vulcans before is oh. that they have a they have a consciousness that spans generations, very much like the Trill, which we will meet 
uh, in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. We meet them in, in TNG too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Where which they have a symbiotic relationship with a symbiont that lives inside of them, and that and each whenever a trill dies that has the symbiont, it passes on to another trill, and then that trill has all of the life experiences and memories and friendships that the, boxes within boxes that the previous generations has. So we find out that Vulcans have the same exact thing, mm. and then Savik becomes the next iteration of Spock. I would yeah. like that. So, and I feel like, and like, like so leave, as soon as she downloads out. Spock from Kirk, and maybe you need the body of the previous in uh, the previous host to complete the ritual, and that's why they needed the body. But yeah. Savik wakes up after the ritual, and she looks at Kirk and goes, "Jim." Mm. You know, or she said, you know, yeah. she recognizes Kirk, she recognizes all her friends. And then we continue the film series with Savick in the role previously filled by Spock. And then we can feel okay about paying Kirstie Alley to stay on board. Right, and then because now she's the main character. Now, it's basically what they do with the character of Dax in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Spoilers. It kind of sucks the way they do it. Yeah. But, um... You know, they, uh, but I think that because they introduced the, I think that might have even been kind of what they were planning. Well, so I was going to say that by feels, having this character. Yeah, that totally feels, especially if Leonard Nimoy was like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore, then it seems like that's the perfect way yeah, to do it. You, because why else did they bother with the remember? Because after, at the end of two, they probably didn't think we're going to make three and bring him back. They probably just thought we have to have a plan, so. So we can do yeah. something. Yeah, so therapy. I think you're totally right on the mark. And that that's seems... why you can have Spock come back and not, let's be you know, cheapen this great moment yeah. at the yeah. end yeah. of two. Such a good so death. you kind of get the best of both worlds. You have Spock's death remain a meaningful sacrifice, yeah. and yet you also get to keep the character around in a sense. Yeah. And then you have, you know, because... Obviously, one of the great things about Star Trek Four is Spock's hijinks and readjusting to life as a living person, as well as dealing with, you know, ancient 80s Earth. Yeah. <laughs> but you could also have it be, you could add an element to it of Kirk trying to reconcile, oh, you are basically my friend. Yeah. Uh, like like in DS9, when, when Cisco is reacquainting with Jadzia Dax. Yeah. After having known previous and, Dax. And you can yeah. still have Savick being a little off kilter because she's trying to deal with the fact that she's still her, but suddenly also has this ages old experience yeah. floating around. I like it. Can I offer the one problem What's that, that as I see it? Is that I feel like Savick is already too interested in Kirk. And I feel like Kirk is already kind of too interested in Kirk in Savick. So I feel like they totally go to Bone Town if that happens. <laughs> the one problem I'm seeing with this is if we want to actually pitch this to Simon Pegg and the rest of the the, the Kelvin timeline people, is they like Zachary Kinto too much to let him go. I like Zachary Kinto too much. Mm. Yeah. Well, this isn't for Simon Pegg. This is for it can be. This is for Paramount executives in 1983. <laughs> yeah, okay. Simon Pegg. Suck we need it. to somehow Wait. get this back in time. Yeah, um, I do like that, but I do honestly, I really do think that would be a problem. I so think okay, that they, I there's attraction there. I don't think, but then we could have a good uh, Kirk, but, Doc, Savick three-way, and no, we'll all be happy. I mean, we still could. I mean, Savick does go to Bone Town with young with young Spock too, though. Okay, well, we're getting wait, 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 next what happened? Week. That's next week. We're getting there next, next week. week. We'll talk about it. Now, I gotta say though, actually, because this is something I did want to talk about. I don't think she's really into Kirk. I think she's fascinated by him as. 
a case study? Yeah. And the reason she sort of shows up with the new hair and the shirt is because, like, all right, I've read his file. I know he's a hornball. If I, like, kind of... Oh, oh I so ass- they haven't completely skipped over the first movie. Yeah. I assumed I assumed she was like on her way back from judo practice. Yeah, I think she was. Yeah, she or was like a shower gym. or something. That yeah, was, no, yeah. I think she was, she was working out. But I did, I actually love that scene. Own like the thing I loved about that scene in the turbo lift is McCoy getting and saying, "Did she change her hair?" And <laughs> Kirk going, "I noticed." Yeah, like Kirk coming around. Kirk maybe does look at her and go like, "Okay," but I don't think she wants to fuck him. No. I think he's. An object of fascination because he beat the Kobayashi Maru, because yeah. he's Admiral Kirk and all and this. And she's but... someone with a vagina. Well, it's also... well you know in Red Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Uh, it's also... Jerk. ...an interesting... <laughs> it's also, it, it serves, again, what I think is one of the main themes of the movie, which is Kirk's midlife crisis, mm-hmm. because he's looking at this young, attractive... Woman. This is why the McCoy having a young hot thing would have been interesting. Mm. And then it's like all that Kirk. And then it's sort of <laughs> pitted that whole story, that whole sense of um, I don't know, feeling old and uh, you know not quite having his mojo anymore with mm. the ladies. Yeah, is pitted with Carol Marcus and the fact that he we he's revealed that he has an adult son. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like I like your idea. I, think, I would have I liked think, to have seen that I Star think, Trek. And, and I think that would have made an interesting thing for the Vulcans, because then, you know, obviously the other you have sort of like a butterfly effect thing where like where is Spock's consciousness by the time we reach Voyager? Mm-hmm. Is it is it Tuvok? Is Tuvok a descendant of Spock's consciousness? Mm-hmm. They probably that would be really cheesy if they had done that, but yeah. you know they would have. Oh yeah. 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 And we'll and we would find out that at the end of like Enterprise that T'Pol gets her consciousness downloaded into a young Vulcan boy who just lost his pet bear. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They that's so maybe in that way maybe it's good that didn't happen because yeah. God they love stuff like continuity that. continuity of characters. Um, Everybody knows each other. Well, yeah. but no more than like Star Wars, right? I feel like well, Star, Star Wars, Wars has a lot of that shit yeah, too. Well, to a level that I can't every, deal with. Yeah, Star Wars is corny in the sense that everyone who has ever done anything important in the galaxy is a Skywalker. Or at the very least has met one. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a good argument for that too though, right? That the Force brings it together and yada yada. Yeah, still, fucking yeah. fuck that noise. You know, fuck it. Check anyway, it this is not a... Sorry, this is so, a circle jerk off. <laughs> so, last movie was sort of like we said, it's just the changeling with some tweaks. Mm. This one's not as direct, but this is one where they were like, can we do a submarine movie again? Yeah, it's got a little balance of terror in there. It's got the obsession element, too. Yeah, Yeah, true. Where he's, um, like, literally endangering his crew and himself to get that white whale. Yeah, but I just mean that, you know, the the, the battle at the end, especially, where they find a a techno-babble excuse to fuck up their instruments so that... Mm. Again, in in balance of terror mode style, it's it's a submarine movie again, not just a space battle movie. Mm. Yeah, it kind of made me want to watch uh, Hunt for Red October. You ever see that? Oh, oh I love that movie. That movie? God, Sean Connery, I gotta go. Alec you, Baldwin. If you guys are gonna watch Hunt for Red October, you I don't like go. Hunt for Red October? It's so fucking boring. No, oh, oh yeah, I thought it was boring. The problem is that was the first Jack Ryan movie I'd ever seen, mm. and I liked it so much I have refused to see any of the others. The others aren't. That's the best. I because yeah, I'm trying to remember. Clearly. I don't know. They all had Harrison Ford, and then there was the attempt to reboot with Ben Affleck, and then the attempt to reboot with Chris Pine. 
they now they're going to supposedly bring it back as an Amazon original with John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. That doesn't make Who's sense. Who's John Krasinski again? The Office? Jim. Oh, Jim, yeah. yeah. Well, it kind of does in that Jack Ryan is supposed to just be a big nerd who keeps accidentally getting involved in this stuff. Mm. And I mean, yeah, John Krasinski's kind of a big nerd. Look at him. I don't know. He's too conventional. <laughs> Really? With that? I mean, no, no, he's not. I know. I don't know. But he. he but I feel like he's and the guy from Chuck. Remember, the, remember that show Chuck? Which guy? Oh, they kind of look alike. The main guy, yeah. the yeah. guy who played Chuck. They kind of. Oh they yeah, both I can have that lanky, that. goofy look. I can see that. Anywho, um, Anywho. but yeah, I, I like you know the return to sort of space combat as submarine combat. That was a fun little thing. Apparently, so the way this movie got sort of created, and Ames, you may have, excuse me, come across this in your researches, but um. Years ago, you know, I, I watched all the documentaries on the DVD when they first released it. I listened to the damn director's commentary. Chris loves special features. Yeah, I have less time now to watch them, but when I was a teenager uh, and had no friends, oh boy, let Aww, me tell you. Oh, you had friends. Yeah, I know, but still. I had like two when they were, you know, not always free. Um, <laughs> uh, this took a turn. Uh, so basically, they got Nicholas Meyer to write and direct this film, and at that point, he was kind of, he didn't have much going on in his career. Uh, he had done 7% Solution at this point. I don't think he's done Time After Time yet, or he, like, just did it. Time After Time. But um, either way, he wasn't doing much, you know. Something he'd hoped to get off the ground didn't happen or whatever. And they were like, you want to do Star Trek? He's like, I don't really know Star Trek that I mean, I've heard of it. I've seen it a little bit. And they're like, yeah, give me So somehow they convince him. So he sits down and basically just watches the whole of TOS to try to come up with ideas and goes... That was Harv Bennett. Harv Bennett picked the idea. Oh, did he? Okay. Mm-hmm. But, um... The producer. Okay. Well, they put... They, like, hang a lampshade on the fact... Like, our sort of, right, at the end, where they're like, wouldn't it be something to go back and see yeah. what happened there? Yeah, they want to go back a hundred years later, and they were full of hope, and it turns out, no, hope doesn't work because planets explode. How do planets explode? Yeah, I don't know. Ask Krypton. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of the submarine scene, and the fact that they can't see the other ship, right? Mm. Like, that's that's the whole crux of the issue. Yeah. Are there no windows on the Enterprise? Like, no one could have walked up to a window and been like, he's over there! He's over there! Turn, yep, yep, That's turn to the right. Two o'clock. Warm, warmer, warmer. Okay, you got him. Fire, straight ahead. Yeah. Like, I know that they said that the visual wasn't working. They could just send somebody out in a spacesuit. Mm. The waving guy. The waving guy. Gotta go. That's why he's so useful. So my, my, uh, my in-universe explanation for that plot hole is that the... Nebula is actually, in reality, like, what we see on screen is not actually how it is, that it's actually completely opaque mm. inside the nebula. That would make some sense. Yeah, you, you can't actually see yeah, out of the it, ship. it makes for a better uh, movie if you don't just have a wall of yeah. opaque I mean, even or whatever it's supposed to be. It could still, even if it is what we see, it, it could still be really hard to see through the gases through a window. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, so can you, can you see a plane through a cloud? How far mm. away, but how far away is the ship also? Yeah. Like how, pretty how close at some points, right? They yeah. almost crash into each other. I guess. And also, of course, part of the problem is if your targeting stuff isn't working, then a photon shot has to be, you have to be actually turning the ship in the direction you need to fire instead mm. of letting it just kind of arc. So mm. that's a problem. Of course, you know, the infamous uh, exhibits two-dimensional thinking thing. And it's like, yeah, this is the first time... Anyone who's used three-dimensional thinking in space battles here, but all right. 
And yet, they even though even though they cite that, they still do it in a very two dimensional way by having the ships like be yeah. on the same yeah. plane. It's not like like it would be cool if like the Enterprise like came at them from the bottom, like yeah. like Reliance here, yeah. Enterprise is like, like a, yeah, like a like a perpendicular like T-boned them. Yeah, they're really the they're very afraid in Star Trek in general, just letting of having faith in the audience to understand like. Audience members are dumb. Each ship has its own... Because of artificial gravity, they have their own plane. And you could have this thing. You know, you could have had them coming up from below the Reliant and torpedoing them. But they they insist, like you said... I mean, admittedly, it's a great shot with the... And they're just hoving up behind it. It looks great. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It looks like fucking Jaws. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's true. It's sort of, you know, it's like when you... I mean, for all little sense the scene makes and for how bad the movie is, I love the sequence of the Enterprise coming out of the ocean in into darkness. It just looks great. It's dumb, but it looks great. And it's like that here, you know? It's, it's the visual overtaking the sense. Yeah, is there anything we've... I, mean, I feel like we've touched on a bunch of things, but... Have we left anything out? Anything major we want to... Nothing really? Nothing major I wanted to bring up. Oh, the one thing, one one minor, minor thing I wanted to say. Scotty playing Amazing Grace uh, on the bagpipes at the funeral shoot off the torpedo scene. Mm-hmm. His idea. Oh, no shit. You get, you get him doing. That's nice. He knows what he's doing. Nah. Is, um, hey. I thought it was not odd, but... Major Barrett was a little... Was conspicuously absent in this. Yeah, she wasn't the so. computer voice. Yeah. That's they didn't have, have Rand back like they did on motion pictures. Yeah, we did have Kyle, back. though. Did we? Commander Kyle. He was the communications officer on oh, the Reliant. Snap. Was it the was it the same actor? I see it was supposed to be the same character, anyway. Yeah, I meant to look him up, but he's still British, so... Yeah. It's probably supposed to be that Kyle. Huh. Certainly looked enough like him at profile that I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, mm. I forgot to look it up. Yeah, the acting, though, was definitely better in this one. All, all around. Everything was better in yeah, this no, They, they I, give I, them yeah. stuff to do. I mean, really, I do I do wish that they had given Sulu and Uhura yeah, that stuff was, to anything do. to do. But I feel yeah. like that's something that both of them fight for and lose all the time. That's true. Oh! <gasps> I remember the fun, one of the stupid things about this movie I needed to bring up. Oh. The fucking coded communication. Oh. What hours would seem like days? Yeah. You're telling me Khan couldn't fucking Khan out. couldn't pick yeah. up on that, mm. and Savic couldn't pick up on that. Yeah, it's true. If we do things, wink, wink, by the book, mm, hint, hint, mm, in hours will seem like days. It's going to take six days you know, is, to fix a, the ship. There's a cutscene somewhere where Khan's sitting around with his people, and they're like. This, this has to be bullshit, right? Like, that is so obviously fake. And Khan is like, no, no. In our 15 years on SETI Alpha 5, I read a lot of books. Vulcans can't lie. <laughs> and even fucking Savick keeping the fucking myth going. You lied. I exact. No, Vulcans lie all the time. I've won this rank before. I'm not going to do it again. But fuck you, Vulcans. We're on to you. Maybe Khan just wasn't listening. Maybe. And they just no, he wasn't. It showed him making, like, an O face. Because <laughs> he knew, like, yes. He was doing arts and crafts. There you go. <laughs> making, making a different glove with different sparklies. <laughs> I actually... The veils so, had sparklies, too. True. Yeah. So... sparklies. Two things uh, from... Two from, things. From my... We're so hungry, Chris. From my... <laughs> from my uh, youth and no friends. Uh, <laughs> on the... On the audio commentary, 
for the movie, Nicholas Meyer did mention that apparently him and... I don't know if it was him and Ricardo Montalban, or Ricardo Montalban came up with it and told him, but there is a reason Khan leaves the one glove on, but he refuses to say what it is. Nice. Other uh, thing... Masturbation, obviously. Uh, Next. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Meyer figured out the trick to getting Shatner to act well. Do a shitload of takes. Mm. Because he gets bored... And stops trying to act. Oh. And then he can actually act. The well. Here It Comes took a shitload of here takes. It comes? When uh, they're transmitting the Reliance oh. prefix code to them. Because mm-hmm. every time they did it, no matter what Meyer said, there would always be this kind of lilt in Shatner's voice, like a little, here it comes. Like, ah ha ha. Okay, Willy Wonka, calm Exa- the fuck down. Exactly. So the fact that we finally get this flat, just natural, here it comes. Without any kind of like hint in his voice, was how, because how many times did the eulogy take? Because the eulogy was really good, six hundred and thirty-five. So that that was, was probably like okay because they needed him. His to, voice cracks. It's great. They needed him to ham it up a little, so that was fine. But so I, what I should have specified is to get rid of his hamminess. Okay. Yeah. You have to do a shitload of takes, well, so he gets bored. I think he did. I th- I, I think Shatner was good in this movie. He was because he had a director who figured out That's how to rein him in. Huh. Um, I thought the best way to get a good result from Shatner was to give him a line reading. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, he does. The eulogy's really good. Uh, he does. He does it really well. I mean, even even the Spock's death scene, he does it really. Good yeah, that whole scene's really good. Well, and the look and like the look on his face when he's like trying to tear through bones to like get in there, and he's like, oh, "Jim, you can't do it. It's gonna kill you. You, you know what, Bob? radiation." When he gets held back by Scotty and Bones, there's a third, a third guy. guy down by his crotch. Yeah. Yeah. Giving him the captain's fellatio. Yeah. It's like, I think the two This is the them only them. way we can stop him from yeah, going in say, there. If, Suck in him case, off. In case, in case uh, <laughs> cooler heads don't uh, prevail, cooler head will yeah. yeah. On also, that note. Also, <laughs> according to the stickers in that little death room, the Enterprise, at least this iteration, isn't powered by Dilithium, but the Triforce. Yeah, I saw that. The little Triforce sticker. Always distracts me. The Triforce of power, I assume. Uh, they all, had the whole three, three thing there, yeah, so I mean, you know. power, wisdom, and courage. Um, Fucking nerd. Yeah. Take us out, Chris. Let's go um, eat. Let's go eat. <laughs> so we we're, we're good here. We're yep. I'm we're good. all set with twalk, as it is often abbreviated. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. With that, this has been episode fifty-one of a Woo! star to steer her by. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, do please find and like our Facebook page. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting application. And if you use or at least even have iTunes, please give us a rating and review. We are on Twitter and Tumblr as SSHB Podcast. And next week, we will be looking at Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The Search for More Money. <laughs> <laughs> for a start to hear by, this has been Chris. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. And this is always Jake. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to tip your yeoman. Come! I like that you, looked, how it goes. Like you looked at me. And I, was I like, always I'm forget, like, bitch, it's yeah, you. I always forget that I have to say thank you for listening first, I know. But yeah, you're right, though. It is con. People, con! people, always, people always stretch it out, but it's really just con! And then they repeat it a couple times. Con, 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 con. con. Vader. No! No!